This episode is brought to you by Select International Tours. Are you ready to experience the power of pilgrimage? Tourism is an important part of the global economy, so many countries are working hard to allow safe travels and be fully open again. Sacred travel is an opportunity to journey with others who share your love of culture, history, cuisine, adventure, and faith. Father John Michael Paul is the Provincial of the Americas with the community of St. John. We've been partnering for pilgrimages for four years, and Father's mastery of multiple languages and experience with global travel brings his depth of knowledge and love of the Lord into each trip with us, and we always work hard to provide the best experience. Through my own years in media, it's my job to curate a second-to-none itinerary and communicate all of the details from preparing to processing on the journey itself, and our guides are the best. Find out more by visiting selectinternationaltours.com slash BTS. That stands for Brooke Taylor Show. That's selectinternationaltours.com slash BTS. Gabriel Media presents The Brooke Taylor Show. Encounter, adventure, evangelize. And now your host, Brooke Taylor. Hello, hello, hello. Howdy, hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Brooke Taylor, and this is the season premiere. On today's program, to kick off a brand new series of shows, a very special guest to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the attacks on September 11th, 2001. David Beamer is the father of Todd Beamer. His phrase, let's roll, was heard like a megaphone throughout the world. This was the rallying cry, the call. As he and a team of other passengers overpower the terrorists on Flight 93, we remember the story, we know the phrase. And I realize this is a very somber responsibility to be given the opportunity to share David and Peggy's story the parents of Todd Beamer, and the faith of this husband and father of three. On a personal note, this was one of those conversations that just wiped me out, going back over again all of the old footage, some of which you'll hear, preparing for this segment, concluding with a very difficult conversation about where we are today, the events of Afghanistan, where our country is 20 years later, where we are headed. And so it's my hope that through all of that, you are blessed by today's show. And if you're blessed, please consider sharing this episode with others as well. What I think you'll find and what stands out to me right away is the strong faith despite unimaginable loss is very evident throughout our conversation. So I'm just grateful in the last episode I talked about this, what Brother Richard had shared, it is dark. And what do we do when it's dark? We light lamps. We need lamps to get people home. And the beamers are most certainly a light and a reminder of faith and fortitude. So I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to bring you this conversation here now, my interview with Mr. David Beamer. Well, 20 years ago on September 11th, 2001, I was a newlywed wife of a soldier, nine months pregnant, working in radio, living near Fort Bragg, North Carolina, where my husband was a paratrooper with the 82nd Airborne, and we all, in a flash, can go back to where we were. And whenever we recall that day, there are certain images and moments that flood back immediately. It's a tableau of iconic scenes, some sickening, some evil, but also the moments of valor and courage. One of those acts 
of courage and heroism took place on Flight 93. And one of the scenes most seared in my own mind was that of Lisa Beamer, because she also was pregnant. Her husband served his country too, but he wasn't wearing the uniform of a soldier like mine was. He was wearing the uniform of a civilian. And he made the ultimate sacrifice. And over the decades, and I think in the grief process, the solemnity of that day is very acute in our minds, but the details can fade after a few years, a decade, now two decades. And that's why we tell and retell the stories and the heroes and why it matters and the lessons that we learn then and need to learn and remember now. And the one thing that matters to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, the moment that we were made for, and when our face shall be our eyes. And Todd Beamer had that kind of faith, which we are about to be reminded of in today's show. And as it turns out, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So today, I am deeply honored to welcome the father and mother of Todd Beamer, David and Peggy Beamer. Thank you for being with me today. Well, it's a great opportunity and a chance, yes, for us to remember some some of the right things that happened on that day. I want to just get right into the conversation and to start there with faith. It's been 20 years, 20 years without your son and in the midst of the grief, you continue to share your testimony. In a world where so many have lost hope, you remain steadfast. And so I guess I would just wanna begin with that question. Have there been moments where it's been difficult for you to remain steadfast these 20 years in terms of sharing your witness and testimony? What is it that has propelled you to be so faithful over these years and the conspiracy theories, some of the sensationalism and your own grief? The events uh, and the memories of the events and what has transpired since then, it's not pleasant to really remember all that happened that day. It's not fun to go uh, and share with with people. However, the way we kind of felt about it from the outset is uh, the fact that we we have a story, a particular set of experiences, and we have a faith and we have a hope. We really viewed 20 years, almost. It's really a matter of stewardship. We've got something, we got something to give, something that that matters. As I've shared with folks, we have a hope. We have an assurance. We know where the soul of Todd Beamer is. We know that unlike the rest of us, every day he's had in the last 20 years has been a good day. Not so much for us. And we share with people, I know how it is you can survive the worst day of your life. Certainly that day was the worst day of our lives so far. And it's because of that hope and assurance that we have in the saving power of Jesus Christ that enabled us to survive that day. And it's really what gives us the energy and the attitude to keep on doing really what we're doing right now with you. Thank you. And certainly you are proud of the son that you raised and the man that he became. Todd was a husband, a father. He was living his faith. That's very evident. There was a peace that was very clear through even what the operator commented, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the interview, that when she picked up the phone and she heard Todd's voice, he was calm. 
How is that possible? So you've talked about this before, David. I've heard you say he was living his faith, and because of that, it prepared him for the moment that he faced on that plane. And one thing I think is very emblematic of your witness is when I hear you retell the events of that day of 9-11, you start with the blessings of that day. The worst day of your life, and you begin with the blessings and the graces. Talk about that. There were blessings that day. Our enemies, they had been plan- planning this for years, for years. They'd attacked us before, you know, World Trade Center earlier on, 1993, I do believe. They'd been planning this for years, uh, well orchestrated, timing down pat. Beautiful day. Skies were clear. All that said, Blessing number one, United Flight 93 took off late, which disrupted the timing. The enemy had planned for all four of these now guided missiles to impact their sites at about the same time. So blessing number one is United Flight 93 took off late. Blessing number two is the wonder of technology. Technology in terms of cellular telephone capability or in Todd's case, the airplane telephone that he was able to have this connection with Lisa Jefferson. And so they understood the reality of their situation, even though they were being lied to by the hijackers, what a surprise, who said, we're just going back to Newark. It's a hijacking, yes. We're going back to Newark and our demands are gonna be met. Well, the passengers and crew on Flight 93 were able to understand the reality of their situation. You know, blessing number three is they did something about it. They got together, they considered options, they took a vote. How appropriate is that, right, in the country in which we live? And they decided we got to do something to try and take control back. I'm sure in their plan was, hey, let's see if we can regain control and we'll see if somebody can fly this thing, <laughs> right? But didn't get to that, but they they did the right thing. And what a a remarkable blessing, not only for the for the Beamer clan, but for the country at large, that phone call that Todd was able to have with Lisa Jefferson, who became uh, an independent ear witness to the reality of the situation and a proof text that it really was a counterattack mounted by the free people on the plane. Todd's mom and dad and his wife and his sisters, we would have, we'd have known in our heart of hearts that the people on that plane did something, right? It, it, it crashed in a quiet meadow outside of Shanksville. Nobody else died except those on the plane. And we knew that wasn't the objective. We knew that the passengers and crew had done something. We knew in our heart of hearts that, you know, hey, Todd would have been in, in there with them. So this independent ear witness account that tells the world what all these people did That was a blessing. A few things I want to underscore. We know we were attacked on 9-11, but as you have said, and you just repeated there, this was the first counterattack. And I had not looked at it that way until I heard you say that before. The profound truth of that, they did something to prevent the attack that was happening in this guided missile, as you said. And even though it crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, we are recording this interview today taped on a beautiful September day with a blue sky, and the fight actually broke out above the skies in Ohio, where we are seated and recording this interview. Do you think, David, that landing in a rural area 
devoid of any people. Do you think that that was that was deliberate? Could they possibly have planned that? That I think is the other blessing, as you said. Although every single soul lost is, is grieved over and missed, but the loss of life on the ground also uh, could have been further. Had it been in a neighborhood, a school, wherever. Any insight on that? I, I don't really know, but I, I do know it's it's another blessing, right? That's. Uh, Shanksville is not far from Pittsburgh, for instance. And tw- in 20 minute flight to D.C. Correct. From that point, they, right? They did the right thing and at, uh, critically at the right time. 20 minutes later, the big white dome on our nation's capital was the target, right? And it's, it's interesting that our enemies, even if you didn't know too much about landing a plane, the targets they had picked out are hard to miss from the sky on a clear day, right? Twin Towers, Pentagon, nation's capital. So that phone call was a blessing where the plane landed, crashed, was a blessing. And of course, you know, Todd's last words, are you guys ready? Let's roll. You know, that was a phrase Todd used when he was trying to round up his little boys and get them into the minivan to head someplace, right? But in this case, it's, it's a call to a different kind of action. And as you mentioned, it was the right thing to do and certainly the right time to do it. Well, thanks be to God he was able to connect with Lisa Jefferson. I want to play a clip of that conversation in which she was interviewed, sharing what that conversation sounded like. Take a listen. When I took the call over, there was a soft-spoken, calm gentleman on the other end. He told me that there's three people that have taken over the flight. At that point, I asked him his name. He told me Todd Beamer. He was from Cranberry, New Jersey. Did you make a conscious decision not to tell Todd about the World Trade Center? Why? Yes, Um, because I wanted him to have hope. I wanted him to think that he still had a chance. I didn't want him to feel like it was just totally hopeless and he definitely didn't have a choice and he knew he was going to die. I didn't want him to have that feeling. When he wanted to pray, was your sense then that, that he knew that? Yes, I did. I felt that he knew at that time because he has said, oh, Jesus, help us. And then he said, Lisa, would you recite the Lord's Prayer with me? And I knew that he knew at that time that it wasn't much left for him to do. What do you think that um, this country needs to know about the men and women who were on board Flight 93? They're all heroes in my eyes. They really are. They all pitched together, and they did what they thought was the best thing to do at that time. And um, I feel that Todd played a great role in that because when he told the guys, are you ready? I assumed that they were waiting on his cue. Then they responded to him and he said, okay, let's roll. And would you please help me welcome his wife, Lisa Beamer, here tonight. She called me that Saturday morning. I told her, I said, you have two boys, David and Andrew. She said, yes, yes, I do. I said, you're expecting your third child? She said, yes, he told you all of that. I said, yes, he did. And he wanted me to let you know that he loved you and his family very much. And I gave her a message and kept my promise. Also, what you'll notice in that clip is he recited the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. What was your response when you heard that? Not surprised, I will make one one modification, and that is, he prayed the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't, a, it wasn't just a recitation. Right, okay. right. He, he prayed the yes. Lord's Prayer. Yes, and that is important. And, right. and again, it's not as if 
this is my moment, so I need to call on God. He called on God every day. I'm not sure if it's in the Library of Congress, but it's famous last words. These are the most true words we speak, as we would think, because they are our last words. And I think for Beethoven, it is, I shall hear in heaven. And you think about what would our last words be. In this conversation, it is the Lord's Prayer that he prays. And then, okay, let's roll. It's really become a rallying cry that has mobilized action. I think we could use that now. Let's roll. We need healing. We need revival. We know the source of where the healing comes from. So I guess I just want to ask from that, have you ever struggled in a doctrinal or a theological way with what seems to be the senselessness of 9-11, the, the loss, the massive casualties, the innocent lives taken, the barbarity of it. Todd, his story is well known, but as you've mentioned, there were 39 other souls on the plane as well. Do you keep in touch with them? How have they processed? And 3,000 others in 9-11 and their families. What almost seems like the randomness, we hear everything happens for a reason in Jeremiah 29-11, but a response to that with the biggest blessing out of that day for us is that Todd was a Christian on September the 10th and the day before that and some days before that and so that's what gives us the assurance that he's okay the world is a fallen place evil abounds God gave us mankind a free will and it's sad but true some indeed many of chosen with their free will a path that is evil vengeance is mine saith the lord and uh you know i'm counting on him for that right i really am we know about todd's faith i don't know about the faith of the other almost three thousand people that died that day what really matters is the choice that we all individually make the free will that god has given us as to are we going to accept his truth or are we going to look to some other source for our truth. I had a chance to see some of Lisa's talks. She looks beautiful. It looks like the kids there. I mean, it's been 20 years. How is the family doing today? The family's doing really well. And Lisa, we, we welcomed her to the Beamer family at the get-go. And of course, we still do. She has done a wonderful job as a single mom. Contrary to many internet rumors about how many times she's been married since. No, 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 no. She's continued as a single mom, and she's done a remarkable job in uh, raising those three kids who are now, you know, well on their way to being grown up. I appreciate you setting the record straight because I fell for that fake news. I know years ago, as I said in the opening of our conversation, I felt such a strong connection with Lisa. So I looked for her in the years since where I was on radio and thought I would love to connect with her. And the things that I would find, I had read that she had remarried. So there, of course, are so many things, conspiracy theories. Does that bother you? Yes, but we don't dwell on it, right? There's, uh, there's more important things to do than to try and deal with folks who are inventing things on their own. They don't have much time for it. Yeah. There's too many other things to, to do. One of the big ones was that the plane was shot down. A couple of conspiracy theories, right, that, yeah, bother me when I think about them, is that that's one, because you have to be really delusional to defy all the evidence about what really happened to the plane. Okay. The, the other one that, would ha that happened early on, which troubled me, 
uh, was there were those that thought the design of the Flight 93 Memorial was uh, uh, a tribute to Islamic symbolism. Uh, and there were, there were hundreds of designs submitted for what the memorial should be. And the one that was chosen, because it had a, a, a large field of, to, to reclaim, which was scarred earth from strip mining to create trees and forests and wetlands and whatnot, some people thought that that contained Islamic symbolism. And, you know, that, that troubled me. Yeah. I went to California to visit with the architect to size him up, wow. <laughs> to see what he really had to say about in his concept for doing it. And, hey, I came away from that convinced this is a beautiful design. It's different than any other memorial uh, that I know of in its, in its scope, its plan, and what it includes. Uh, I think it's a brilliant design. It really tells the story uh, properly. I would encourage anyone who hasn't been there, just go. I count myself among those on the bucket list of needing to go. I follow on social media. I follow the memorial. Tell us what to expect. There's a museum. Of course, there's a memorial. Virtually, walk us through that. The design incorporates things like, here's what emphasizes the flight path. Here's the way the plane came over this guy's right here. The visitor center, which includes artifacts and, and stories. This is a difficult question to put into words, but I think it's one that we need to confront because so many of the people who lost loved ones that day did not have remains to bury. When you look at the crater, essentially, the hole in the ground that was these human beings with families and the plane and everything, has that been a difficult part of the closure of the piece? Do you have a headstone? How did you handle that? In our case, yeah, there's a headstone in the Cranberry, New Jersey. However, for us, Todd's not there. He's not in the ground in Shanksville. The fact that there's a, a headstone with and then some remains of his physical body in Cranberry, yes, but uh, he's not there. So you have peace. We do. We do. I want to be careful not to get into politics. The heart of this interview is to honor your story, is to share Todd's legacy, but I think we still do that by acknowledging where we are today, and we all know this is you know, a recorded segment. The situation, as we're talking today, still remains very volatile in Afghanistan and rapidly evolving there in the Middle East. Certainly, you are a voice at the table that needs to be heard. How do we move forward, and any thoughts on that? It's tragic. The enemy, our enemy, the same ones, that have been attacking us and our values for decades, including well before 9-11, still the same objective. They still hate our way of life, our freedom, our freedom of religion, our, our freedom of education, our form of government, our capitalistic system. They're not after our treasure, and they, they haven't given up. They didn't give up on 9-11. And they haven't given up in the last 20 years. We remain free and we remain safe because of what soldiers, volunteers have continued to do for the last 20 years. I don't have the words. I am disappointed. I am angry. It's been almost 20 years since I saw our enemies dancing in the street. We almost made it 20 years. But unfortunately, I saw on my TV screen this morning, same enemy, celebrating in the streets of Afghanistan, 
death to America, carrying around mock coffins of our soldiers killed. It didn't have to be. We have been steadfast, we meaning those who have served and protected us for 20 years, in doing the right things. Sadly, we now have decisions taken from the commander-in-chief that have proven to be disastrous. And I am beyond disappointed, disheartened. I know now it's going to require even greater sacrifice and effort to keep another one from happening in our homeland. I think a lot of us are feeling exactly what you said. Just the images coming out that we saw of all of those people on the plane and people falling from the plane. Now the Taliban or ISIS-K, whatever it is, using our helicopters and dressing in our uniforms, it really does leave you speechless. We pray fervently for peace and for revival. We have all these conversations in our home, behind closed doors. All of us can go into our war rooms and storyboard out what we think should happen, but we know that we really need to put on sackcloth and ashes first, right, ourselves, to turn back to God as a nation. Anytime through history we see it in the Bible repeated again and again when a people stops following the Ten Commandments and turns their back, we know that there is an impending consequence to that. In the conversation of what can we do, Clarence Thomas, he said one time at a keynote address, he said, We say these grand things to these graduates, go out and soar and climb to the height and conquer the world, but really we're lucky if we can conquer ourselves. And that's where it begins. As we remember the solemn anniversary, where we were and where we are today, anything that you might say as a takeaway, as an action step that we might be able to do to show solidarity. I am just so surprised uh, that one, at at the timing, of the news and the fact that we we not only left Americans behind we didn't we didn't just retreat because when you retreat you, you you take your ammo with you and when I had heard uh, a representative from the UK point out that we left behind three times as many helicopters attack helicopters three times more than what the UK has in their arsenal we left behind more helicopters than any of our NATO partners that includes like Germany and Italy it's beyond imaginable We have afforded the enemy an opportunity to kill people using our paid-for military apparatus, beyond beyond imaginable. What we need to do as a a country, and I'll go ahead and say it this way, uh, God Bless America, the great song, great song. I used to sing it. And now, with what's happened in much of our country, sometimes I ask, ask myself the question, why should he? We have, as a country, we have decided to celebrate that which is wrong. And we have decided to vilify that which is right. And that is upside down. We certainly have information from God's holy word about men just decided to do what was right in their own eyes. And that's where we be too often. What's going to turn it around? We had a wake-up call on 9-11, you know, for a while. And the unity. Truly, we were, for just a brief shadow of time, we were unified. And then, of course, it seemed like we were never more divided after that. But uh, but we all remember what that felt like, that, that initial, that we were one for a brief moment. It felt like. Did you feel that? We, we were. And I, I think about the days soon after 9-11. Mentioned before, I was in California, and I needed to get to the East Coast by Sunday. And so I drove. I saw 
At high speed, I saw towns and cities and flags everywhere. None of them were on fire. None of them were laying on the ground. We were the United States of America. Now we're the states of America. Mm. We're red. We're blue. The difference is stark. I'm concerned for the country. Conversations like this and talks like you go around and give to younger generations are so important. We have on our magnetic board called the duty of a man, and it talks about being a conqueror, being a servant, a priest, a prophet, king. We need to restore the truths that founded and helped our country bloom that we need still today. So that's where we begin, right? We begin in our homes and with our families and you speaking to these young kids. It is in the small things. It's in opening doors for people. It's in, you said, I heard you say it when you spoke to the high schoolers across the country. We should say thank you when you see someone in uniform, any uniform, and that that's really important. It might seem a little thing, but it really is those seeds that will help, I hope, bring the healing that we really need. I think perhaps, just perhaps, the events of the last two weeks can serve as another wake-up call to have America wake up and see, hey, we need to understand that the real enemy is on the outside. We need to really think long and hard about who do we have representing us in the halls of, of Congress. The fact that no one ever crosses a party line, it makes my head explode, right? People will stand up and don't and paint we're ready. Don't, we're ready. Don't paint themselves with some other sort of stripe. And you're going to hear the citizens say, let's roll, because it's time. We're ready. God bless you, and thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and witness. Is there anything that we can do to support your work? I need a new car. <laughs> <laughs> you need a sandwich and a new car. <laughs> We're good. We're all good. God bless you. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you for being here, David. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you again to my guests, David Beamer and Peggy. They were both there. You didn't hear her speak, but she was definitely there. Her presence was so appreciated. And wow, a lot to to take in. And we're reminded of the importance of praying for our nation, especially on the solemn anniversary. And I want to actually read that latest book by Dr. Peter Kreeft. It's one that we covered here on the program. I had him on to talk about it. If you missed that episode, you can also find it on YouTube. But his new book is How to Destroy Western Civilization and Other Ideas from the Cultural Abyss. And going back to what we talk about, where do we go from here? I want to end on a redemptive note. This is who we are. This is what we were made for. It reminded me of what Dr. Kreeft says here, a quote, saints will win the world, but only saints will win the world. Nothing less will do for our culture. Not even the greatest prophets, sages, philosophers, theologians, psychologists, or politicians can save the world. If Moses, Socrates, Aristotle, Thomas Aquinas, Viktor Frankl, Abraham Lincoln, and Martin Luther King all came back to our culture, they could not save it, for it would dismiss them all as dead, white, European, heterosexual, conservative, judgmental, moralistic males. But saints can save the world. If there had had been 10 righteous men in Sodom, they would have saved that world from the divine fire. Perhaps it would take only 10 more righteous men to save San Francisco. Perhaps it would only take 10 more Mother Teresas. No one can see God without falling in love with him, and no one can meet a saint without meeting God in him or her. That is the good news, that in a world dedicated to the will to power, there is no power greater than that of sanctity, and that in a world dedicated to the pursuit of selfish pleasure, there is no pleasure greater than that of unselfish love of God and man. No one can ignore or refute 
the joy of a saint. Amen. May we all take that magnanimous challenge to become saints. Amen. God bless you. On next week's show, Father Frank Pavone, that episode is up on deck and he's going to talk about a brand new devotional that he has out for Advent as well as March for Life and much more. God bless you. Until next time, peace and love. The Brooke Taylor Show is produced by Mark Cumming. Find out more at cominghomestudio.com. Brooke's audio project, Pray With Me, a treasury of Catholic family prayers, teaches families how to pray the Hail Mary and the Our Father in Latin, plus so much more. Pray with Brooke's family and learn the beauty and history behind some of our most beloved prayers. Pray With Me is available on Amazon or CD Baby. Find Brooke's two devotionals, Choose Joy and Choose Hope, on Amazon or brooktaylor.us. To book Brooke for your church or event, please contact St. Gabriel Media at gmail.com.